one that we need to cover this with prayer before we get into it because we're going to do the Halloween special. I did one, I looked back, I thought it was last year. <laughs> I thought it was last year, the witch at Endor, and it was three years ago, it was 2017. Man, time just gets away. But uh, we're going to talk about uh, Satan, his fall. Who and what is he? What's going on? How did he fall? Why is that important to us? So let's, uh, let's, I'll let everyone say a moment of silent prayer for yourself to prepare your hearts and minds and, and get ready. And then I'll close this out. Father in heaven, as we are gathered here together today as the body of Christ, we've came here thirsty, Father. We've came here to the, the refuge for our souls. You alone are God. You are a rock in our salvation. and You are a shield in our protection. And Father, we have come together today as the Lord Jesus. I remember when he looked out over Jerusalem and said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. How often I would have loved to have gathered you together as, as a hen gathers her chickens up underneath of her, her baby chicks. And Father, those who are gathered here today, it's because we wanted to be gathered together and underneath your wings for protection, for warmth, for encouragement. So Father, we pray today that the Holy Spirit would be here among us and within us, that we can understand your holy and divine word your will for us we can understand our enemy and the things that goes on in this world is because of our enemy and so father we pray that you would prepare us this day for what we are about to learn pray that you open up our hearts you open up our minds you help us to understand it and to realize that this isn't a game this is not fun and games but this is a spiritual warfare a battle against principalities and powers that wants to suck our souls dry and cause us to spend eternity in hell with the lake of fire that was prepared for the devil and his angels and he would love no more than to see us follow along but he doesn't present himself in that way father he presents himself as an angel of light he tries to make light of everything that is wrong and tries to make our minds adapted because he controls society and he tries to adapt us to fit us in with it. So, Father, we pray that we can be mighty against it through your help, through the spirit that's within us. And help us, Father, to not reject your word, but to accept it and to realize the truth that lies there. And we pray this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Might get wound up today. Just a warning, okay? Um, you know, Halloween. <clears throat> Used to be one of my favorite days growing up, and I have to tell you that. It's been one of the favorite days of my family, too. Uh, and as they've grown up, we've always loved that. I used to love to, to dress up, to go trick-or-treating, to go knocking on those doors and getting the candy. And it, it, just, it was just what you did. You know what? It was what you did, and it seemed innocent, it seemed fun, it seemed like it was, it, everybody does it, it's okay, the schools, was it, it was just a part of society, and it's what you do. And then as you get out there trick-or-treating, you know, whenever you're a real young fella, uh, somebody, an adult takes you around, usually mom or dad or somebody, you know, they're driving you just to the relatives mainly, and you go knocking up there, and they're all, oh, they know who you are. But they're like, oh, who are you? And what are you? And you, you play that little game. And then you say, it's me, Grandma. You know, and you, and you show them that and you think that it's all fun. But then, I would not do this today. We live in a different world today. But, but whenever I turned, we, we moved from here into town and... I'm on Ohio Street down there by Post and Road, and it's probably sixth grade, junior high type of thing, seventh, eighth. You get to go out on your own. 
You don't no longer have them driving you around to the houses. Back then, things were safe enough that you could just go on your own with your friends and you would go out. And I made it a business. I was like, you know, I'm not going to the country. I'm going to the trailer court because there's 50 in one spot and I can get my bags filled up. And then you'd go out and then it would get dark and you'd be going to the houses in between all out through there. And then as you start going out by yourself, you start seeing those more experienced trick-or-treaters that are out there and they're older than you and you're watching and you begin to learn some things. You've learned that it's trick or treat. And that if you don't get the treat, the door's open for a trick, right? I mean, that's why it's called trick or treat. So if, if, if they aren't home, that's even an open door policy, isn't it? And so you start watching these older rascals as they're going about doing this, and they're, they're out trick or treating, and you see, what are they doing over there now? They're smashing pumpkins. And so you see that if the people's home, you'd, you'd take the pumpkin and run out in the street and they'd smash it. But if no one was home, well, it would be right there on the sidewalk or on the front porch, wouldn't it? Now, I, I look out there, y'all looking at me in shock like, I never did or dreamed of such a thing. <laughs> I know y'all are sweet and innocent. And I, I wrote in here in a minute that I can neither confirm nor deny that I did any of these things either, okay? But you start watching and not, not only was that, it was... You're supposed to soap windows. If, they, if it's a trick and they don't give you the stuff, then they, the older kids taught you to carry a bar of soap in your pocket. And if you didn't get the treat or someone wasn't home, wonder why you always went to the dark side of the house and not the light side. You'd go to the, the, the dark side. Now, the first few times, you was really scared, you know, they tell me. And you would, you would put the marks on there and run but then you learn from some older kids that, well, you know what? If you take paraffin wax, they can't get it off easy. That soap, they can just take a washcloth and it just wipes off and basically they're cleaning their windows. But you put paraffin on there, it's going to be tougher for them to get off. And then you learn about TPN or toilet paper and you learn the stuff you learn out there on the streets whenever you get to be turned loose. And it seemed okay. I mean, in our younger days, I can remember the time that I knew, I'm going to get some embarrassing going here. I can remember the time that I knew that my daughter was going to have the eye of the tiger in ball games. Was that a Halloween party at church? Some folks at church had the Halloween party and it was bobbing for apples. And... She was about four years old, and one of the boys got an apple. And so she wanted to try to bob for an apple, and she stuck that head in there, and them apples was going. And you know what she did? I had to pull her out because she climbed over the edge and pushed it all the way down, feet sticking up in the air with her nose pushing it to the bottom so it would stay stuck there so that she could get her teeth into it to get it back out. And I had to pull her out so she wouldn't drown. But that was a church activity and everything was good, wasn't it? Oh, but now, now you got to stand up here and teach truth. Now you got to start standing up here teaching truth and you start studying. You start learning where the origins of these things happen and, and what it's really about. And now all of a sudden it's like this ain't fun and games no more. And the scripture that came to mind yesterday as I was sitting down and, and putting this together, the Holy Spirit led me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We know it as the great love chapter. But you know what? Down towards the bottom of that love chapter, there's a very important verse. And that verse says this, that whenever I was a child, I spoke as a child, I thought as a child, and I understood as a child. But when I became a man, it was time to put away childish things. And it was like the Lord was screaming that at me, that everything that seems fun and good that 
this world is trying to throw at you as a, as a hidden thing because they don't, Satan doesn't just come out and tell you the things that's going on. And so all of a sudden it was like, when you come to the knowledge, what, what the Holy Spirit is really trying to tell Paul when he wrote this to the Corinthians who had all kinds of problems in that church, he was trying to tell them this, that you're not a child anymore. You're grown up. And you're not only grown up, I think what we need to put in there is, is that when I was of the world, I thought like the world, I understood like the world, and I talked like the world. But whenever I came to know my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I'm no longer of the world. I am no longer of this world. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. I've got a different kingdom. I've got a different ruler. And my life is not the same anymore. And I no longer think like the world, act like the world, and talk like the world. It's time to grow up. And that was what he was moving me to say through this. Those things have passed away and I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. And then... I, I viewed all these things of the times that had gone by. And, and it was a time for watching scary movies and, and popcorn and candy and the different indulgences and the things like that. But haunted houses, <clears throat> we didn't think much about it because it was just like society and fun and games. But we've allowed the culture to hide the truth. The culture wants to hide the truth. So it hides it and presents it as something that's good and fun. And one of the excuses that that culture will say, I hear it from my kids all the time. And I call my grandkids and my nephew and all that and the, and the other kids, my kids. And what I hear is, is, you can't stop that because it's not fair. I don't get to do the things that you got to do and that's not fair. And a lot of things ain't fair in life, you know. Uh, it was religion, after all, that introduced this. Did you know that? Because false religion, paganism, had this as the day of the dead. And it was a day on this equinox. It's the shortest time of the year. It's the time when the sun is out less and it starts going into the, the death of our trees shed their leaves. Everything looks dark. And then we get in. This begins the days of darkness. This fall solstice. And then the shortest day of the year will be December 21st. And then it will start getting longer. And then the spring solstice starts bringing in the days of life again. And so the pagan religions. They looked at those cycles. And that's how they started celebrating things. And the shortness of the fall was the day of death. It was the time of year when, when it goes into that. And so they thought that on this time, that this was the time when the spirits and that portal that opens up between heaven and earth and the, the demonic realm and the spiritual realm was the closest to us. And so they started celebrating that on the demonic side. And trying to reach out to the lost dead ones that they've, that they've, that's passed on. And trying to, and then those who were not involved with that knew about it. And they were afraid of what might happen. And that those spirits of the realm were coming through. And so that's why costumes were put on. So that they couldn't recognize you. And they thought you were one of them. So that you didn't get attacked by them. And then as time started to go by. In the 5th century. The Catholic Church said we want to unite with these religions. And so they started making it as All Saints Day. And the Pope at that time that was in there. He's, uh, it was Boniface in the 5th century. And Boniface said. We're going to move it though to May, but we want to incorporate this with all of our Celtic and different pagan religion friends so that we can be one, you know. And it didn't work because they kind of said, hey, glad you guys are recognizing us, but they still held it on the fall because that's when they really believed that these things happened. So by the time you get to the ninth century, Pope Gregory said, we're just going to have to give in 
and make this All Saints Day and the Day of the Dead go to around November 1st so that we can continue to try to draw these folks in with us and we all get to be warm and fuzzy and one. And so then later it got moved to actually October 31st on what is celebrated right now. And so, you know, Halloween is almost like chocolates because you got different kinds of chocolates, you know. You got milk chocolate and then you got a little bit darker chocolate. But then you got that dark, dark chocolate and the cocoa powders and the stuff that'll kind of turn bitter in your mouth. You know what I'm talking about? I kind of like the dark chocolates, but I don't like the dark part of Halloween because let me tell you something. You got normal Halloweens, but then you've got special dark chocolate type Halloweens. And did you know that the Halloween that we got coming up this next week on Saturday, by the way, on the day that you're going to fall back, Halloween is on Saturday, but do you know what Saturday also is? Yeah. Day after Friday? Good answer. That's right. How about I throw this one at you? Blue moon. You ever heard the term once in a blue moon? Do you know what a blue moon is? A blue moon is when you have two full moons in the same month. It can only happen on a time when there's 31 days in the month and that it happened on the the first full moon happened on October 1st so that it can happen on the 31st because if there's less than 30 days 30 days or less it's a 30-day cycle of the moon so it it can only happen once in a blue moon because it's on like a 14-year cycle uh, on months It's two to three years, usually almost three years for a blue moon to appear. But for a blue moon to appear on Halloween, it's usually a 14-year cycle. But did you know that the last Halloween full moon, blue moon, was in 1944? So it's been a while. It's been a while, and this Halloween is not only Halloween, but it is blue moon, full moon, Halloween, so it's like dark chocolate that's 97% cocoa. That's what this Halloween's like. So I thought we needed to prepare a little bit for this one because the world right now is looking at that, especially those who are not Christians. See, we, we hardly even knew what was going on, but they know. And let me tell you, I have watched, I've watched this one young man who came out of Satanism, and he was a high priest. His dad had been a high priest in Satanism in New York City, and he was a high priest. He was a Latino, and he said, we, it came from our background heritage where we came out, and it was up here, and my dad was powerful, and my dad had, had things that was going on, and the devil took him because of a reason, and he said, at about the age when he was a young boy kind of middle-aged and then he said instead of going the other route I just ended up falling into it too and all of a sudden by the time he's 18 19 he's a very powerful warlock by the time he's starting in his 20s he's he's now taking his dad's place as one of the high priests of satanism that there is in that community long story short he ended up having a troubling bout with some things he wasn't wanting to believe in God but he knew that if there was a Satan then evidently there was a God and he ended up having a dream one night where he was actually locked in a train taken down into the pit supposedly and there he was confronted and the devil was telling him I'm you are mine you are mine and he shouted out the name Jesus help me and things stopped and it it ended up getting all rolled back and now he comes out and he tells his story and he is now a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and the power that it had to break that bondage that was over him. And he says, don't you think for one minute that Halloween is something that you just laugh at and it's a part of society and it's all fun and games. He said, let me tell you what, 
every Satanist that there is prays over everything that's going on and they're praying they'll walk into walmart and they'll pray over that candy and they'll pray over those costumes and they will pray that this starts wrapping you up into their bonds of slavery of the devil and this is the way that you get into it and i want you to tell you something that as we go i'm going to show you this did you know there was a church of satan and that it's a very powerful and it's trying to counteract everything it's godly just like here there's a WRE here, a weekday religious education. This church of Satan saying that any place that you stick the word of God in, we have the right to stick our nose in too because it's supposed to be equal. You're not supposed to uh, discrepancy between us and you. And so they want to have their time with the kids if you're going to have your time with the kids. And the church of Satan has a website. And it's right there. This is the official church of Satan website. And you can go there and Google it and go there yourself if you want to. But you go to the church of Satan website and then you go in and it's got frequent it's got holidays and frequently asked question you go under holidays and it tells you this that we don't really have the holidays we're not bound to anything your biggest holiday is your birthday you know why because we don't believe that there's a God so that means I'm God over my life and so my birthday is the most important day of the year that's, that's the day to celebrate. Then it says, what about Halloween? So people that come to the website and they're looking into what Satanism is. And they said, well, well what are you guys about? And do you, what do you think of Halloween? It, what, what do you think about it? And I'm going to quote you what it is. And here is the slide that, that if, I, you probably can't see it. We can see it on the computer, but it don't always translate up here. But I want you to know I'm going to read exactly what is on the church of, Web, of Satan about Halloween. And it says this. We see this holiday as the night when mundane folk try to reach down inside and touch darkness. Which for us Satanists is a daily mode of existence. Particularly in the United States of America... Halloween is a time for celebrating monster films, wearing costumes of the macabre, and evoking the thrill of fun fear. I mean, this is just a fear that's fun because you know it's not really real, but it gets your adrenaline going. He said, they can have this fun fear. They can indulge their fantasies by donning costumes that allows for intense role-playing and the release of their demonic cores, the parts of their personalities that's often hid from friends, co-workers, and even family. And though there are traditions that make this occasion the recalling of the dead and the spirit realm, it has been popularized with you guys as historically where the fears are directed towards the unquiet spirits. That was in the past. The grand traditional question now is trick or treat. And it's become the means for fulfilling your indulgence in sweets without the need to have to resort to the optional coercion which is trick. Satanists, now listen close. Satanists embrace what this holiday has become now. We do not feel that we even have the need to be tied to any of the ancient practices for this night. We smile at all of you amateur explorers of your own inner darkness. For we know that they enjoy their brief dip into the pool of the shadow world. We encourage their tenebrous fantasies, your candied indulgence, and the wide-ranging evocation of our aesthetics. And while we tolerate your chintzy versions of trying to put this on, even if it is but once a year. For the rest of the time, now listen. Basically, he's calling us hypocrites, okay? Now listen. Once a year, you're doing all of this, and we put up with your chintzy ways of doing it, even if it is once a year, because the rest of the time, when those that are not of our meta tribe, they shake their heads at us in wonder. And we only need to just point out that they might find some understanding of who we are by examining their own All Hallows Eve doings. 
And you will generally find that we just more often just simply say, when you think of the Adams family, you begin to understand what we're all about. End quote. Church of Satan. What they say about Halloween. Dabbling into the pool. Dipping into the pool of the shadow world. Playing out your role in a fear that's friendly. That's what they see. That you are imitating them on one day. But then the rest of the time it's like. How can them people not believe in God and serve Satan? That's what he said. Well. Now. Again, my thought goes back to when I was a child. I thought like a child. I talked like a child. And I understood like a child. But with knowledge, as you grow and you become a man, when you're armed with knowledge, now you can't go back, can you? So, 2 Peter chapter 2, 18 through 22 says this, because all in that chapter, it gives a long... Peter gives a long diatribe from the understanding of the Holy Spirit that moved him to pen it about all of the different things, about what happened to the angels who sinned, what happened in the days of Noah, what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. And he goes on and on and on about what happens to those who live outside of God and outside of Christ. And how that, but they, like puffs of wind and and wells without water and tumbleweeds that, that are dry, but they flow around, They try to lure you in and allure you, though, with their tingly words, and they itch your ears. And then he says in verse 18, when they speak these great swelling words of emptiness, and they allure you through the lusts of your flesh and through lewdness, that the ones, now he's talking about Christians here, those who had initially gave their life to Christ, that the ones who actually had escaped from those things are now going to, they're trying to allure you back to live in error. And while they promise you liberty, in other words, it's okay to do those things. You're free to do that. He said, they promise you liberty and happiness, but they themselves are the slaves of corruption. For by whom? Now I want you to know that it doesn't say by what. When he's talking about these ideas and 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 living as the world. He doesn't say by what. He says that you get enchained in. He says by whom. By whom a person is overcome. And he's talking about the powers of the wicked one. Okay. Just so we understand. By whom a person is overcome. By him also is he brought into bondage. So he brings you into bondage when he lures you with these words that everything is okay and he brings you who had fleed this world by saying i believe in christ they allure you back into it with all of their fleeting words and by whom a person is now overcome by him he is brought into bondage what does it say every time in revelation he who overcomes I will give to them. You are to overcome the world. You are to overcome the one who is trying to allure you. If he gets to allure you, he has now overcome you. And then it says in verse 20, and this is the part that's on the board. For if, after, just put me there because it's talking about those who have escaped one time. If I, after I have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, if I am again entangled in those things and I am overcome by them, my latter end is worse for me than the beginning. It would have been better for me never to have known the ways of righteousness than for me to give up on the Lord Jesus Christ and go back to living into this world. And it says it's just like a dog that returns to its vomit and a sow that goes back to wallowing in the mire. And what he's saying is, you know what happened when a... Have you ever seen a dog go back to his vomit? I better calm down a minute. I can just feel my heart going like this. Have you ever seen a dog go back to his vomit? You know what that means? That means what made you sick at some point, you now think's good. What made you sick at some point and made you throw up, now you're going, looks like dinner to me. 
It looks okay to me now. And you take a pig out of the pen and you wash it all off and you, and you turn it to its own accords and what happens? It goes right back to the mud and starts wallowing in it. And he says, that's what happens when the world tries to get back a hold of you. What, when you name your, your Savior and Lord Jesus Christ because of the things that was going on in your life and you needed to be freed, but now you're listening to everything that's going on around you and you're saying, you know what? That ain't so bad after all. I think I can dip my toe back into that. I, that looks like supper to me, what made me sick at some point. And he said, that's what happened. And when you do that, your latter end is worse than the first. Why? Because once you've tasted, it says in Hebrews, once you have tasted the goodness of the Lord and you have felt the power of that redemption and you turn your back and go back, it is almost it uses the word, it can be impossible to return them again back to repentance because you felt the power one time. You felt the call that time. But when you turn your back on it and you give it up, it's after you've tasted that and you say, I like this more, it becomes almost impossible for you to change back. So don't let it happen because the proverb is true. The dog goes back to its vomit a lot of times. And a sow back to the wallowing over mire. So, as Halloween approaches, it's always a good time to take a moment and realize the depth of this battle that we're in. It's a cataclysmic battle. It is a spiritual battle. It's the angelic conflict. It is warfare. And whenever it talks about you and I, and the, in Ephesians chapter 6, and beginning in verse 10, and it says that we're in this battle... We're not battling against flesh and blood. In other words, people that make you mad, it ain't their fault. Because they've got something going on that they don't even realize. What we're really battling is principalities and powers. The powers of darkness. The rulers of the, the powers and age of this world. That's who we're really battling. They've got them motivated and they don't even realize what they've got them motivated into. And that, whenever it talks about principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of the age, spiritual hosts of wickedness. You know what the word host means? Army. It's the word for army. Whenever it says Jesus Christ is the Lord of hosts all through the Old Testament, it's Adonai Sabaoth, which means the Lord of the armies. The word for host is armies. So in other words... Paul is writing to the Ephesians and saying you're in a war and you don't even realize who you're battling. You're getting mad at this guy and so you're talking back about him and biting him in the back because he bit you in the back and he did something to you. But he says you're battling not against flesh and blood but against these principalities and powers and they are way more powerful than you are. You don't even know who you're battling and you better put on some armor if you're going to jump into this war. You better put on some prayer, put on a helmet of salvation, a breastplate of righteousness. You better get armored up and ready because you're stepping into a conflict that you have no idea what's going on. You have no idea what you're stepping into. Whenever you start battling this. And the Holy Spirit wants us to understand that this is a grave battle of the powers of darkness for your soul. And the soul of your family, your loved ones, your kids, and your friends. And I want you to know that the things that are invisible are more real and more powerful than the things that you think that are real. The things that are invisible, our warfare is not with flesh and blood, but these invisible principalities. And they are very, very real. And they are very, very powerful. There are, you see, when I sat down, I was wanting to do, I was wanting to break open some new stuff for you. I mean, real new stuff. Some things about the different kinds of, of angels, the different kinds of demons. Uh, Miss T, take me on back. Uh, sorry to interrupt you, but take me on back to the slide that's the Church of Satan's official web page. Do you see that little symbol up at the top? It looks like a star. There's a goat head inside of that. Can you see that? There's a goat head inside of that star. And the two top ones are the horns. The two side ones are his ears. And the bottom one is his chin and whiskers. And there's another goat underneath... Uh, church of satan right there with the horns and the ears 
Do you know what that goat represents? Well, first of all, the Lord on that great day is going to separate the sheep from the what? We studied, I didn't go all the way with you on uh, the, the Feast of Atonement the other day whenever we talked about how that, that, uh, that the two goats are brought up and one's offered unto God and the other one's turned. Do you remember we said to Azazel? Azazel is the demons because the goats are going to go reside with the demons in the wilderness forever but the ones who die to self, you old goat die to yourself, you're taken in upon the altar of God and you become covered by the blood of the Lamb of God and you'll be the Lamb. But the goats go the opposite way. The goats are always Satan's people. The goats, that particular demon, the Bible will say words like devil, Satan, demon, demons, different familiar spirits. They're all different. Did you know that? I was wanting to take you into some of those things, but the Lord led me this way. But that goat demon right there, that guy is called a satyr in the original language. A satyr is the, the goat demon is the one who is in charge of sexually charged things and lewdness and the things that goes on in that realm. That's who he is. Whenever it talks about like the witch at Endor and she had a familiar spirit, that one is called, not familiar spirit, but agostromuthos. And agostromuthos means that it's somebody that's a ventriloquist demon. Did you know that there was ventriloquist demons? And Isaiah, it says that, they, that you're going to be held down. God gives them a warning that, that whenever they come to take a hold, Babylon comes and they put you down into the dust, it'll be like the demons who peep and mutter out through there. Agostromuthos demons are, we're getting into it anyway, aren't we? They're demons who are ventriloquist demons who can make peeps and mutters and make sounds. So whenever you go into the witch at Endor and you say, I want to talk to somebody that's going on. I want to see what message they've got for me. I want to know what's going on. They get all, all they, they have to get into a trance. They have to get into a position to receive this agostromuthos demon and allow them to overcome themselves because he is going to speak through this witch or whoever is at this ball. And they start, and a lot of times drugs are involved, and that's why there was incense, and that's why there was candles and all of these things. And they start getting themselves one with the demon. And when the demon overcomes them, this agostromuthos demon that knows how to peep and mutter, She'll say, okay, I'm ready. Who is it? Because he's there in her in the presence. She'll say, who is it that you want? And they'll say it just like Saul said, I want to talk to Samuel. Well, demons can travel faster than the speed of light. Satan in Job 1 was on earth. The Lord called a meeting and said, I want you all to come up here. And the Lord held a meeting up in the heavenly realm. And he said, what do you think about my servant Job? And he said, you're protecting him too much. No wonder he loves you and serves you. You're blessing him. You're protecting him. But you let me have him. He said, okay, you can't touch him, but anything else is fair game. And the next verse, Satan is down talking with his demons and saying, how are we going to get him? And it's like, we're going to strike all of his family, all of his animals, everything that he's got. So what I want you to understand is, is Satan one moment was here. One moment he's all transported into the throne room of God, which is millions of light years outside of where we are right here. They can't even see that far. And the next instant, he's back down here, and they're all after Job. Chapter 2, another meeting's called. Satan has to be among them. He says, now what do you think of my servant Job? Well, he didn't crack when you let me have everyone else, but let me have him, and I'll get him to crack. And he says, anything but his life. And so they say, okay, the, what's the worst thing? the nerve endings in your body and he begins taking every nerve ending in his body jerry knows a little bit about that from the shingles that's going on right now because it attacks your nerve endings i had them from my best breastbone to my backbone and they still hurt six years later your nerve endings are gone fire and doing things and job doesn't turn but satan could go back and forth and they're that fast so we got an agostromuthos demon with his little buddies that's hanging around because there can be a legion in a person you know and so he got these demons 
hanging around and they will say, and they are eternal. They're not eternal. They were created, but they have everlasting life like we do. And so this, these demons can then say, okay, he wants to hear from this person. They start putting out the network really quick. Who knows about them? Who knows about them? I do. Come here. We want you to answer some questions that they're going to ask. And that's how that gets channeled out. So you've got all kinds of demons and things that's, that's going on like this. And so whenever we, we need to armor up because you don't even know what you're in for. So then I, we can go back to the angel now, Miss T, because we all think if I say angel, what picture do you get in your mind? Whenever we say, oh, what's that, right? I googled angel. Every picture was, was just like this. And all oh, the... I want you to know that angels are... I almost was afraid to put pictures up what was on, on Google Images because I don't want to make them mad at me. I don't want the angels mad. Because you know what? It says one of the angels of God, whenever it's time to come in Revelation... He's going to have one foot in the ocean and one foot on the continent. And that means he's so big that the water of the ocean only comes up to about his ankle in the middle of it. Because he's got one foot in the middle there and one over here. Now that's a big guy. And every time the Lord knows about gender, when he created us, we are either male or female. In the beginning God created the man. He created them male and female, female and male created he them. And God knows the difference. And your genetic code has that. And you can take drugs. You can be cut on. You can, you can put on different clothes. But I'll tell you what. When they go to do a DNA sample on you after you're gone. And no one can recognize the body. It'll say it was a man and it was this. Or it was a woman and it was this. Because you are who you are. Like it or not. And so every time in the word of God that it mentions an angel. It's a man. It's a man. It's got a masculine genitive. And it says in, in the serpent, chapter 3, I want you to know God's a man too, okay? Elohim, in the beginning God, Elohim, you look at it, masculine plural. The Godhead is male figures, it is masculine plural. Genesis chapter 3, very first line was, now the serpent was a more subtle creature. He was the, the, the craftiest one that God created. Guess what it says underneath serpent when you go into that original language? It says masculine singular. In other words, it was one being and he was a male. And I could take you into some deep doctrinal things about male and female and Satan's influence upon you because, oh, it opens up a lot of things in the Bible that we could spend another two hours on. But you see... When God created man, he created woman for man to be a responder to man. And so Satan was able, he started with her first for two reasons. Because she was in submission to the man. If he tempted the man first, then she would have to follow suit and it wouldn't be by her own volition. But when he tempted the lady first, first of all, she's a responder to a male figure. And Satan is the most beautiful, the most crafty creature that came from the hand of God. So she was easily influenced by his soft talk and his debonair approach to her. And so she was easily influenced. But we won't go there for now. Thing is, there are male and females. There are ranks and powers and different assignment roles. There's no equality even in the spiritual realm. You've got God as the head and you've got Christ and you've got the spirit and you've got archangels and you've got seraphim and you've got cherubim and cherubims and you've got other ones. Whenever I did cherubs, look what comes up. That's what came up. I, I was afraid to put the other pictures up because it had these little bare bottoms showing of the angels flying around smiling stuff so now i got to get one that's decent to put up here and they got little harps some of them for valentine's day's got their little bows and arrows you know and the pictures satan has influenced our mind through the things and the artists that he gets to and picture these things so that the battle don't seem real it doesn't seem like that it's that bad and that important but I want you to know that cherubs are powerful beings. They have two wings and they can soar and they are powerful. And 
the angel of the Lord, which by the way is the Lord Jesus Christ, the angel of the Lord in one night, whenever the uh, Amalekites and them, or the Assyrians was camped outside of Jerusalem, in one night the angel of the Lord came and they woke up the next morning and 185,000 valiant, trained soldiers just lay dead because the angel of the Lord came out. Angels are bad dudes. And you don't want to mess with them. We don't even realize the army that we've got. That's why you need the Lord. That's why you need his word. You need prayer and you need the Holy Spirit. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Without him, you have no chance against these beings. But the angels and the angelic beings, there's elect and there's fallen. There's two categories. There's two separate ones. You've got God and the elect and the holy angels. And you've got Satan who fell. And you've got his minions in that principalities and powers and the armies of darkness that we just saw. And it is all about the spiritual battle for your soul. So... Uh, Let's just, let's just keep going. Let's go to the next one. Revelation 20 says this. Verse 1 and 2. John saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hands. And he, the angel, laid hold of the dragon, that old serpent. You see, the serpent was in chapter 3, and he's in Revelation chapter 20. The old serpent of old, who is the devil, that's masculine singular, and Satan, they bound him for a thousand years and cast him into a bottomless pit. Satan was a bad dude, but the angel of God can wrap him with a chain and throw him into a bottomless pit. That's how bad angels are. Uh, currently, he's got, he's got Abaddon or Apollyon, whether you're in the Greek or the Hebrew language. This bad cat's still down in the bottomless in a pit of darkness being held in chains until he's going to be released in the middle of Revelation to come up and, and be with the army of Satan fighting. But let's see who and what Satan is and what we're up against. How about it? And why we're even battling against him. If you got your Bibles with you, turn to Ezekiel chapter 28. I'm getting there. We're going to close in a minute. Okay, keep going. The other night, I, I think I went past midnight. All right, Ezekiel 28. Turn there. You're going to... If you've never been here with me before, you're going to be shocked because there's two passages that talks about this being that we're in a battle with, this one called Satan, but his real name's Lucifer. Satan and the devil are accusational words. They're nicknames for him. They're not his real name. His real name was Lucifer, son of the morning, and we'll see that in a minute. But in Ezekiel chapter 28, if you get down to verse 11, it begins telling the story of 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 Lucifer and it says this thus says the Lord God you talking about Satan Lucifer you were the seal of perfection you were full of wisdom and beauty you were in Eden the garden of God and every precious stone was your covering the sardis the topaz the diamond the beryl the onyx the jasper the sapphire the turquoise the emerald with gold and the workmanship of your timbrels and pipes that was prepared for you on the day you were created. Circle that word. Satan is not God. Satan is a created being. He might be a powerful, brilliant, smart, beautiful, charming at times being. But he is not God. He is a created being. But God prepared him this way. And all of these things. And it tells about those precious stones that are there. I want you to think about that. Angels and God is what? And, and no what's in him. God is light. And there is no darkness in him. Angelic beings are, are light also. Whenever the angels came like at the foot of Jesus... They shone like the bright light, like, like a lightning. So imagine the being whose in, internal being is bright light. And God said, for your covering, your body, the skin that housed that, 
I'm going to put it in all of these beautiful stones. And they are all cut stones and put into their timbrels and their pipes and their sockets. That means, you ever seen those little balls that they hang up that's silver with all the little cuts and then they shine a light on it and it spins around all around the room? Imagine Satan as one who is full of light and radiating through all of these colorful stones, those beautiful things. He said, man, on the day that you created, I had all of this ready for you and I clothed you with it. I made you the seal of perfection. You were full of wisdom and beauty, the most beautiful, wise, anointed, created being that I created. And you were there with me in my garden that we are promised to be able to eat from one day in the garden of God if we overcome this guy. He says, you were in, in verse 14, you were the anointed cherub who covers. Anointed means you had a special function. You were set apart for a special purpose. I had anointed you and you were the cherub. So this is the mighty angel. You were the cherub that covers. And that word for cover right there is the word for hedge of protection. It's the same word that when God says, have you considered my servant Job? Satan throws it back up into the face of God that says, you've got a hedge of protection around him. In other words, he was like I used to be when I stood around your throne. I was protected in that realm where I'm not now. That's the same word. He was throwing it right back up to him. You were the cherub who covered. You guarded the throne room of God. And I established you that way. And I set you on the holy mountain of God and, and you walked back and forth through the fiery stones with your colors of light and stone. And you were beautiful, you were anointed, you was everything, the seal of perfection. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created. See, the Spirit wants us to know he's created, he's not God. Why do we need to know that? Because Satan wants to be God. And he wants to be worshipped like God. That's why he's doing the things he's doing in this world. He wants us to worship him and his ways. And he says, you were perfect in all of your ways from the day you were created until your free will of choice began to put iniquity within your heart. And it was found in you and the abundance of your trading. And that means your interaction with the other angels. And them telling you how great you were. All of a sudden you began to get pride. And you began to think I should be the one that's being worshipped. And not that guy that's on the throne. That's where I need to be long. And he said you traded that. By the abundance of these things, your heart was filled with pride and with iniquity. And you traded that to become filled with violence within. And you sinned. And therefore I, you see God's more powerful. I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God. And I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up in pride because of your beauty. And you corrupted yourself because you take the wisdom and perfection I gave you and you traded that for the splendor that you thought you could receive. And that's the opposite of Moses. I was watching the Ten Commandments last night. And you know what? The Bible says that Moses was in the palace, but he chose not to live his life in the riches and in the fame and in the power and the glory. But he chose to give all of that up and to become a humble servant of God. And he died to self. Satan is the exact carbon opposite of what that represents and what the Lord Jesus Christ represents. He saw it and he became filled with iniquity and he said, that needs to be me and mine. And he says, your wisdom then became corrupted by your splendor. So our enemy was once the anointed cherub that covered the throne room of God. You realize who you're up against if you try to battle him by yourself? This is a fallen angel, but he's not God. He was created beautiful, wise, and blessed, anointed, and holy. He led in the praise, and he guarded the throne room until 
the blessings and the favor that God showed him became the source of taking his wisdom away and filling him with pride and wanting to overtake. They, he wanted them to worship the creature instead of the creator. And that's the problem with us today. So God threw him out and destroyed him. And then it says this, the story is finished in Isaiah 14. We're getting there if you want to turn there. Isaiah 14. This is the commentary on what happened in between when I created you perfect and I threw you out of heaven. Here's what happened when he began to be filled with all of this and traded his wisdom for what he thought would be splendor. In Isaiah 14, beginning in verse 12, it's the fall of Lucifer, son of the morning. And it says, oh, in verse 12, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakens the nations. And he's still trying to do that right now, even with our nation. You have said in your heart. So here he goes. This is what he was thinking when he started trading his wisdom for splendor. You have said in your heart, I'm going to ascend to heaven. I'm going to exalt my throne above the stars of God. I'm going to sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. You ever realize that every time they talk about Israel getting overrun, the enemy comes from the north? I'm, that's where he wanted to be, from the farthest sides. The north is where the enemy comes from, okay, in the Bible. So I will sit there on the farthest sides of the north. I am going to ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high God. But you, God says, shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. And thus began the angelic conflict. And you and I were created to solve the angelic conflict. There's a reason why when Jesus was resurrected and he came in there. And you remember old Thomas said, I'm not going to believe unless I see and I feel and I put my hand. And the Lord came up to him and all of a sudden his eyes got big and he said, hey, Thomas. Put your hand right here. Put your hand right here. It's me. And he says, my Lord and my God. As he fell to his knees. And he said, Thomas, you believe because you have saw. But blessed are all of those who believe yet have not seen. That's you and I. You know, what, you know how blessed that means? Satan. Thomas. Satan saw and he didn't believe. Thomas saw he believed. But God said, all of you, you're blessed because you don't get to actually see me. But you believe what is written in the word of God that I did all of these things. So you are more blessed. And that's why the Lord put that in there. Because we haven't seen, yet we believe with all of our heart. We'll even die for that. And he says, you are brought down. That's the angelic conflict. Is Satan's like, don't throw me in the pit. That's not right of you. How can, a, how can a good God do that? And he says, I'll show you how. Because I can have created beings that's lower than angels that have never saw me who will not turn their back on me like you did. And that makes me just and righteous for putting you in the pit of hell that's created for you and your angels that you drug along with you. He still desires to weaken the nations. He wants to bring them all under one rule so that he can then be ruled and, and be the ruler over the entire world. He, he wants to be worshipped. That's why he offered in the temptation to Jesus. He showed him the kingdoms of the world and he said all of these can be yours if you would but fall down and worship me. He desires to be worshipped and that's why he brings the world system in. He wants to be worshipped by the entire world like God is. It's still going on in his heart. So let's close with 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. This tells us more about this angelic conflict that we're in with him and what he's trying to do. And it sets us up for what we've been doing on Monday and Wednesday nights. Because in chapter 1, you remember as we ended there, Paul had told him, says, for those of you who are doubting, we're, we're, we're not all going to die, but when that trump sounds, we're gonna, the dead in Christ is going to rise first, and then we which are alive and remaining are going to join them in the air, and there we're ever going to be with the Lord, and he ends it. And now some time goes on, and some people are telling all of the Thessalonians there that you've missed the boat. You guys are left behind. Jesus is, 
evidently it's been some time now and he must have already came and you guys are left behind. What are you going to do now? And so Paul's writing to him about this problem and he says this. Now brethren, chapter 2, verse 1. Brethren, concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together with him, we ask you not to soon be shaken in your mind or troubled by your spirit, by any word or letter as if it came from us, as though the day of Christ has come. Let no one deceive you. What did Jesus say about six times in that great chapter of Matthew 24 and 5? Let no man deceive you. That's our greatest problem that we have is being deceived by this guy. He says, don't let anyone deceive you by any means. That day will not come unless the falling away comes first and that man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, that is worshipped or worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And guess who is going to be feeling the inside of this man and, and possessing him? Satan. Because Satan wants the entire world to worship him. And that's what he's going to say as we continue. Do you not remember when I was with you? I told you of these things. But now you need to know that that which is restraining, that he, he is restraining this man to be revealed in his own time. He's not going to let it happen until the proper time has come. The mystery of lawlessness is already at work in our society, and I say amen. But only he who now restrains, and that restrainer is the Holy Spirit of God, when that Holy Spirit, whenever we're taken up and that Holy Spirit goes up because he's in us and chapter 4 of Revelation, you see that we're going to be around the throne room of God and it says that the Spirit of God and the seven spirits in his eyes are setting up there. The restrainer has been removed from earth and now wickedness is going to be. When he is taken out of the way, then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. And the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. With all power. See who's working in him? Satan. It's all about Satan and wanting to be worshipped. And the coming will be the working of Satan with powers and signs and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. They're the earth dwellers in Revelation. We like that one, don't we? They're the earth dwellers. We're not earth dwellers. We're the kingdom of God. It says that we may all, it says that they all, you see, it's not talking about us, it's they. If you look all through here, it's us and they. We're going to be gone. It says they will be condemned. All may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now you see why I've been preaching all this stuff to you. You don't want that to happen. You want to believe. But there are those who will not believe and think this is fun and games and have pleasure in unrighteousness. But we, you see the distinction? They know. But we, we will be bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation and sanctification through that Holy Spirit and the belief in His truth to which He has called you by our gospel for, that's purpose clause, the obtaining of glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast. Hold these traditions that I am teaching you. And as you have been taught, whether by our word when we were there or by our epistles that we have written. And now, and this is, this is the, the blessing to you and I, and now, May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God Father who loved us that has given us everlasting consolation and a good hope by grace. May you now be comforted with your hearts and may he establish you in every good word and work. Praise God. How about that? How about a praise God for all of that? He has established us and done that. Give him that praise, yes, because... Through the blood of Jesus Christ, he called, he sanctified, he set you apart, and you are not a part of that system. But don't be like the pig, and don't be like the dog. Don't say, after I have known this, that I'm going to turn and go back to the vomit that made me sick. Stand fast, he says, in your faith, in what we, you have been taught, and what the word of God says to you.
And it ends with amen. So as our praise team returns up and, and we close out, I hope that the word of God has given us a small glimpse today of the real battle that we're in, that this ain't no funny land, this ain't no make-believe, that this is real, it is serious, it is cataclysmic, it is nothing that we can even imagine or think. Thank God that we can't really see. I remember one time, did you know you're surrounded by him? I can remember one time Elisha was standing there and his little servant was beside of him and he's like, what? look at everybody that's surrounding us. What are we going to do? And he said, Lord, open his eyes so he can see who's with us and that parted. And there was the chariots of God and all the angels of God. And he said, man, there's more with us than there is with them. We're going to be all right. As we move through these next days and years of your life, I want you to know you're going to be all right. That you've got the power of God and you've got his army on your side. And he knows you. And that was two men out there by themselves that God said, look who I've got surrounding you. And God ain't going to do it for one and not the other one of his children, all right? So we're going to be all right. I'm just warning you not to be of those who are earth dwellers that aren't all right. So... If you're here today and you're not a child of God, I hope that this, by some form or fashion in the working of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit in your heart has motivated you to become that child of God and to be protected and to be a part of those who are blessed and set apart in Christ. And it's very simple. Our Lord Jesus said in Mark 16, verse 15 and 16, He said, I want you to go into all the world and preach my gospel of good news to every creature and everyone that believes and is baptized shall be saved. But he that does not believe shall be condemned. So that's very plain, simple, and easy to understand. And we've got it ready for you today. That is a line of demarcation. Condemned, not condemned. Goat, sheep. But now, for the rest of us who have made that commitment, I pray that this has given you eyes to see, ears to hear, and a soul to know that the Holy Spirit is within you. But we're in a battle. And it's a battle that we can't even understand or even, even acknowledge what it is. In faith, we have to trust the one who is in us that's greater than that which is trying to go. And don't return to the vomit of this world. Father, we pray your anointing and your blessing this day upon each and every person that is here. They came seeking you, Father, and they came seeking truth and knowledge. And we pray that wisdom and knowledge and your word has been given, that your warning and your encouragement and your exhortation has been plainly laid out by the word of God and what we should do and what we should not do. And so, Father, we pray that we will have the strength, the fortitude, the ability to reject the the wiles of Satan and the fluffy words and that we will cast our cares and burdens on you. We will trust in you with all of our heart and so we will dedicate our lives to you. We will teach others so that they are not lost in this consuming culture that we're in. And I pray, Father, that you will help us because it's rough, it's tough, there's sickness, there's disease, we've got people that's hurting, we've got more prayers this week than, and requests than we've ever had. And Father, it's because this angelic conflict is heating up. And we pray, Father, that you'll be with us. We pray that you'll be mighty to intervene. We pray that this country returns to you and you heal the land. And that you heal our hearts individually as well, Father, as we give them to you. And we give you this day all praise, honor, and glory. You are the God most high. In Jesus' name, amen.